Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Starting a new series and we've spent four weeks in looking at how to build a nation and posturing and positioning ourselves to see impact and change come to this nation. And our trust has given you courage, our trust has given you resolve to be a part of the solution and see what God is doing. And we're shifting gears now and jumping into a series called Eternity Matters. And we were thinking and wanted to jump into a systematic series. We would preach through a book of the Bible like we often do. Generally, out of a thematic series like this, we would do that. But we really feel stirred at this time to speak into this issue, a biblical perspective and a biblical guide on how to do life, money, and eternity. Big subjects. We're going to tackle all of them. But actually, as we understand, we look at this series, we're trusting God for miracles. And too often, I think the church has short, the preachers have shortchanged the church, church. The teachers have shortchanged the church by only preaching. Well, when we preach about money, what we're going to teach you is how to give. Once we've taught you how to give, our job is done. I think there's a much bigger story. And when we don't think in the light of eternity and we don't have an eternal perspective, On things like money, we very quickly break it down to being principles. And these principles that hold us. But I'm telling you, when there's not the big picture of eternity, the big picture of the way Jesus presents an eternal life. What does John 3.16 say? He's given us eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that those who would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. A life that is in me now and a life that will carry me into eternity. And I have a concern, and I I share this with you every time we preach series, but when Paul wrote books like Galatians, he wrote that to do with pastoral concerns and what was happening in Galatia. I have a concern, and the concern is this, that there isn't an understanding or a perspective, a healthy understanding or perspective around areas like money and many others because there's a lacking understanding or knowledge around eternity. But a mate passed away, 43 years old. Two young kids, a beautiful wife, 43 years old, too young. But I'm watching believers who worship God for 20 years, believers who loved the Lord for 20 years, been in preaching for 20 years, read the Bible for 20 years, and, and they're phoning me and they're shaken. And the reason they're shaken is actually because we don't believe the Bible. My friend Bruce is in heaven with Jesus. He does not have cancer anymore. He is not sick. He is not in pain. And yes, we are called to mourn and understand the process, but we're also called to understand that I will have an eternity with Bruce McDonald. I will have an eternity worshiping Jesus. And so, yes, I mourn, and yes, I go through emotions, and yes, I process all of that, but I also process and celebrate God gives life, eternal life. And when that becomes something, my friend, but when, when I understand I meet with people, and if I'm meeting with marriages, and Gabe would say the same, and Wayne, and Tyler, and others who meet with people, Kate, and counseling, 95% of marriages that are in trouble right now, if you just scratch a little bit below the surface, you'll understand there's some financial pressure there. 95% of people are struggling with anxiety in the area of marketplace or life, or just doing life. If you just scratch below the surface, there's an insecurity around finances. Relationships and partnerships that have been in business together for years and done really well in those partnerships, you just scratch below the surface, all of a sudden there's financial pressure and it's because there's a lack of understanding of the role that finances play. And Jesus speaks a lot about money, but he also speaks a lot about eternity. We tend to only speak about it 
a funeral. That's the only time we speak about it. On Tuesday, I prayed for a lady with Wayne in ICU at Milton Mediclinic. And 10 minutes later, she passed away. And on Friday, I did a funeral with her family. And it's devastating. And I've been in that situation many times before. I've also seen healing. But I'm not devastated. Because Lisa loved the Lord, and the Lord loved Lisa. And he paid a price for her to have eternal life. And I live with that knowledge. It's not just something superficial that as a Christian, I have to say, it settles me. Because I've done far too many funerals of far too many people who died far too young. From teenagers who've committed suicide to young people who've died from cancers. I have done all those funerals. And outside of a knowledge that eternal life is real and it's a promise in Jesus. And Jesus spoke about it. I am unanchored and I will be blown around. It's not about having just a theology of healing that God is a healer. That's easy to have. But there's a bigger story he brought us into. In Ecclesiastes, actually let me jump ahead. I want to tell you nine things Jesus said about eternity. Who's heard a preach about heaven and hell and eternity recently? Good, one person. Not many. It's not super popular in church these days. But every time you hear Jesus speak, he spoke a lot about heaven, he spoke a lot about hell, and he spoke a lot about eternity. So point number one is not complicated. Heaven is real. You've got to get more excited. Because it is good. It is good. Heaven is real. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John chapter 14, and he's encouraging them. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you will also be where I am. He says, heaven is a place, it's a house, there's a father, it's a good place because he has rooms for all his children and he's got a place for you. And there's some other descriptions as John has a revelation, the book of Revelations, describing heaven. It goes like this in chapter 21. Let me jump into verse 23. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. Load shedding, not a problem. The lamb is its light and the nations of those or who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. There's no traffic. There's no late for meetings because we're not limited in time. We have endless time to be in the presence of Jesus. It's glorious. There's so many other things I'd love to tell you about heaven. But when Jesus tells us that heaven is real, he teaches to his disciples, says there's a place for you in heaven because there's a father waiting for you. Our hearts should resound with that. Says that actually he's placed, he said heaven and an appetite for heaven inside of the heart of every man and woman. And when we receive the blood of Jesus and we get the spirit of God inside of us, there's something that jumps when we start to think, I'm going to spend an eternity with Jesus. And these fleeting moments we have on a Sunday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and in the city as we worship and we gather, we're going to have a lifetime upon a lifetime upon a lifetime to worship him. So the first point Jesus makes clear to us is heaven is real. And there's another one that's not preached often is hell is real. Hell is real. And in Luke chapter 16, I'm going to read the scripture later, but a scenario plays out and Jesus is speaking of a scenario between a guy called the rich man and another guy called Lazarus. It's radical. I'm going to read it to you later. 
But the scenario plays out, and the rich man crying out from Hades is in your Bible, Luke chapter 16, saying, could you just get Lazarus to dip his finger in water so he could just touch my tongue because I'm burning here. Jesus telling the story. In, in Matthew 13, in another conversation, Jesus says, the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. No, not a false Bible translation. Not popular. Jesus. Red letters of the Bible, Jesus. Telling us that hell is real. And when the church forget that, we lose our urgency. We forget that there's seven and a half billion people in this world that need the blood of Jesus to touch their lives so that eternal life becomes theirs. The third point I want to tell you is you can choose where you spend eternity. You get to choose it. Jesus puts it this way very truly in John chapter 5. I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. The minute I hear it and the minute I believe it, I cross over from death into life. That's already happened, by the way. I'm already in eternal life. And yes, there might be a speed bump in my world and in my life called death one day if Christ doesn't come back first. But there's a whole lot more life beyond that. And that is determined by one thing, the blood of Jesus. His touch of my life. It changes my perspective. All I'm trying to do tonight is provoke you with Jesus' truths about eternity so that your perspective can be fashioned by eternity. Perspective is huge. It's everything. I, I got it wrong this morning. I took a photo this morning because Jerry arrived at the huddle, and everyone was surprised because we were looking for him. And, um, but in the photo, you see Jason. Where's Jason? Where are you, Jace? Jason's got a black jacket. No, not that one. Sorry. The other one. <laughs> Jason Nesson. There he is, coming back in. Yo, what are you doing outside? And, and he's standing there in his black jersey, and there's a lady in front of him, but she's like two meters in front of him. She's also got a black jersey on, and her hands are like this, and it looks like he's got his hands around her, holding her in the photo, because the perspective of the photo shows that. But if I had a different perspective, I would have seen he was standing about two meters behind her. Perspective is everything. All I'm trying to provoke is an eternal perspective. Because the Bible, the, the world teaches us, live for your here, live for your now. Take credit out now so you can satisfy your desires now because now is important. You don't know if tomorrow is coming. And Jesus says, but there's an eternal story which is far bigger. Fourth thing Jesus says is, well, he's the only way to heaven. John 14, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the gospel. Too often, we feel unable to share our faith because we don't know how to proclaim the gospel. This is the gospel. When Paul writes in the epistles about the gospel and he preaches, he preaches and he mentions hell. He speaks about hell in seven of his pre preachers. We have to have a theology of these things. Number five is eternity is not some kind of reward for your life on earth. It's a gift from a father. It's a gift. You can walk a thousand older ladies across the street. I'll walk you any day just for fun because you're entertaining, not because I get rewards in heaven. I'm seeing, getting some nodding here, going with the second row. The, the, the gangster grannies of the church. <laughs> They're there. But Jesus meets a man, 
at Golgotha. He's on the cross, and the man says, Jesus, could I ever enter? And Jesus says, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Not a thousand hoops, not a whole bunch of things you've got to do, not a linked partnership course, not a prayer meeting, and not a feast or a fast. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because there's one thing, one way we access heaven. It's Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone. Ephesians puts it this way, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one can boast. Point number six, the church has an eternal address, and Paul is dealing with, with Peter, and, and he's talking about how he built his church. He says, on this rock I build my church. He says, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So there will be no overcoming. There will not be a day that heaven's going to be broken into by hell. No, there will be a chasm between, and that chasm will be far too wide. There's no way back, and I'll show that in Luke chapter 16 a little bit later. The other thing Jesus says about the times in which we live in the eternal story is that in this interim period in the now, until I am in the presence of Jesus in heaven, those times are going to be challenging. In Matthew 7, he puts it this way, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Two more points that Jesus said. He said there's no second chances, there's no extra lives. You get this life on this earth to make your decision, to speak and encounter the truth of God, and then you make your decision to put your faith in Him. It says this in Luke 16, and, and, and the challenges, the rich man is crying out, and Father Abraham speaks to him, not Father Abraham from the song, yes, Father Abraham from the song, speaks to him, in Jesus' words, we'll read the story later, it says, actually, the chasm is far too wide, it is set Puts it this way, it says, you have a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Lastly, Jesus invites everyone to spend eternity in heaven with him. I believe it. And I understand predestination, I understand how that works, but I believe Jesus' invitation goes out to all. He puts it this way in John chapter 3, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Everyone who believes, everyone who believes, from every faith, background, culture, story, nation, it doesn't matter. Everyone who will believe will receive eternal life. Oh, this is good. This is our good news. This is what we have. Our buildings will not stand. Tyler's fancy lights on the wall, they will, will crush into dust one day. Never. The Springboks win against Japan will not matter. There's only one thing that matters. That this life and the brokenness of this life and the stains and the sin get washed away by the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that matters. So how do we live with an eternal perspective? And why, Mark, are you throwing in money? Well, let's understand the promise of finances and wealth. Because the gospel and the good news make some promises. The promise of wealth is happiness. More money, happier life. More money, more access to pleasure. What about pleasure? Well, the more pleasures, you can have more adventures, do more exotic adventures, and pay for them when you've got more access to wealth. What about health? Well, if you've got more money, you can buy uh, all those fancy foods that have got no gluten, no sugar, no anything in them. But somehow they, you can afford those things now. So you're going to be healthier because you can get medication and all that stuff. You, you'll be healthy. 
What about security? Well, the more money I can get a bigger house and a nicer state with big high electric fences and I can get security, I'll be safe. I can get a bigger car so I'm safe on the road. And you start putting all these boundaries around. What about, what about making decisions in life? Well, I'm telling you, people are making decisions based on money. And if I can get four grand more in Joburg, I'll move to Joburg. And, and then if I can get three grand more on top of that, I'll move to PE. And if I can just get this, I'll move. And I, like, where's God in all of that? Where's the perspective that there's a father in heaven who has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life? And he says in Romans 12, you can test and approve what that will is. Well, how? Well, it tells you, don't conform to the patterns of this world and allow your mind to be renewed. It's not complicated. He's not hiding it from us. He says, I need you to get my perspective. And when you get my perspective, then you can make decisions and you can walk in faith. I've had one or two friends from overseas phone me and say, oh, I've been listening to your preaching and I feel bad living here. I'm like, don't feel bad. All I'm trying to do is position you in faith, in a posture of faith so that there's breakthrough and there can be miracles and we can see what God is doing. Don't feel bad. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I'm just trying to allow the church to posture themselves in strength because winds are blowing and they're getting stronger. And we have to stand. So let's take all those things again. Well, what about happiness? Well, the Bible calls it something bigger. It calls it joy. You get joy in Jesus. You get joy in the midst of adversity. You get joy. What about health? Well, we get to proclaim the name of Jesus to dying and dead bodies. And yes, I've stood at the beds of those who are passing away in hospitals and they've passed away, but I've also seen God do miracles. And I get to proclaim, I get to hold on. And if I don't see my miracle on this side of eternity, and you can quote me on this, I'll have an eternity of fitness, a six-pack eating whatever I want without having to go for a jog because in heaven, I get a six-pack. I don't mind you, but I get one. I get health in him. You want pleasure? Oh, we, we have a God who's given us pleasures and the intimacy of Jesus and the joy you find in it. What about security? You want security? There's something that high walls and electric fences can't buy you, that when you put your head on a bed, you get peace. It's called the Prince of Peace. Peace is not a concept, it's a person. It's Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And what about direction? Well, you don't need to make the steps. Well, if I just go there, if I go there, and, and I had a man who's unemployed currently and has been unemployed for a year, and he's been offered a job in a context that might have compromise to it. So he's asked me for a perspective because he doesn't want to compromise and he trusts Jesus. And even if he turns this job down, he will not compromise the beliefs he has and holds to. I'm going, you're a hero. And I promise you want to know what it looks like to be promotable in the kingdom of God, to see God's favor come. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I honestly believe the richest people in this world should be Christians who have the perspective of heaven and eternity upon their lives, and they would understand that we are purely just vessels called to release the funds and the grace of God upon our lives, whatever that is, our time, talents, and our treasures. And when we understand that, I honestly believe there will be no hungry people in our world. I don't think God made a mistake and he's all caught out. I didn't think there would be seven and a half billion of them. No, the Bible said he knows every hair on every one of their heads. If he knows that, surely he provided. But I would tell you, where there's a lacking eternal perspective, we live for greed, we live for self, we live for now, we live an evil story. We need kingdom people who understand God's eternal perspective. And I want to help you in a perspective of eternity. Come, Shlebush, jump up there. Come on, come, we need some muscles. Why not jump up there? Dale, you didn't come all the way for Pretoria to just come up here, buddy. Come hold. Come, Joshy. 
come, we need some more. This is possibly the best investment we've ever made in the church. <laughs> this thing has seen fun. Come jump up here. It's called a tug of war rope. And when you move to Cape Town from Durban, you realize that's called tow trek. Okay, we're not going to fight each other. Just stay calm. Here I can check testosterone. So, oh, I'm going to pull these hoes through the wall. The, Bible, the world says this is life. Sorry about that. The world says this is life. Feel free to hold it a little bit, guys. This is life. Your life starts, give it a, just tension it up there, and your life starts, and you're in nappies. You're small, you can do nothing for yourself. You grow up a bit, you're able to provide for yourself. And at the end, you're in trouble, you, you, sickness or age, and you pass away. That's what life looks like. And along the way, there's going to be a whole bunch of things that pull you a whole bunch of different ways. They're going to get their hands in your life, and they're going to pull you left and right. Circumstance, trial, challenge, economics, politics, they're all going to have their say in your story. You know the Bible also says, and agrees with, this is life. Looks like this. But with one big, big, big difference. The Bible says this is life. This is life. This is life. And this is not my analogy. It was from Francis Chan. This is life on earth. One little inch of white tape at the end. If you find me there with the lights, you can't catch me. I don't know where. One little inch of this continuum is life on earth. Why would you let things like money determine all of this when that's life on earth? Why would you let perspective? We truly believe what the Bible says, that actually life on earth is just a little end piece. See, too many believers are living like this is life, and that little end piece is eternity. We don't trust Jesus. We don't trust his eternal life. We don't trust John 3.16 that we can all probably quote. We don't trust it. So we live like eternity is that little end piece holding on the end, and we give the best grip of our lives to everything else. Everything else gets the greatest grip on our life. You try hold this rope just on the end there and see if you win a tug of war. You will lose. But when we flip it over and get a Bible perspective, a Jesus perspective, a Jesus eternal perspective, that actually life on this earth is like 15 minutes. Number your days are right. It's like a watch in the night. It's just like 15 minutes. We all think we've got so much time. Now it's 15 minutes in the light of eternity. Just this much. Start seeing eternity. Start seeing the bigness of the kingdom of God. Start seeing the bigness of the gospel that we receive. Start seeing the bigness of eternity that washes upon our lives. And if you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, you're already in that story. Oh, it's glorious. And yes, because eternity matters, our life on earth matters. And the decisions we make, do or don't make, the decisions we're allowed to come upon our hearts and where our hearts get invested, in Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples and those who are sitting around in the Sermon of the Mount says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, or where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Oh, why does he go from teaching about the kingdom of God? Why does he go from this big story and then say you cannot serve both God and money? Because somehow we think in this life we can have money pulling every string in our lives, and it won't affect eternity. 
But when we get a heavenly, earthly, eternal perspective, we can break that power. Thanks, guys. You can drop it down. I was just leaving you hanging there for a little bit. You know, a heavenly perspective is different. A biblical perspective is different. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 19. He's talking about finances, and we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about life, money, and eternity, and positioning money within an eternal perspective. Why? Because I think it's the bigger story. And all too often, we get stuck in the small story. Well, how do I be a good Christian? How boring. How do I live a full life? that Jesus gives me an eternal life where I partake in eternity now. That's exciting. How do I invest invest in eternity? That's exciting. And Jesus challenges, and he's speaking to those who are listening. He says, I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's quite a statement. Again, I think the richest people in this world should be Christians. And the most misquoted scripture ever is the love of money is the root of all evil. And everyone goes, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. Money is not the enemy. It's not evil. She had to bury afterwards. But money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is. He says, actually, it's harder for a rich man to ta- it's hard. It's like, a, like a, a, taking your donkey through the other needle. What does it say there? It says it's easier for a camel. Yeah, same thing really. It's different translation. Yeah, the one's the African translation. We went to donkey. But the image there, and there's some confusion, and no one knows exactly what it means, but they would assume that the other needle is a, a, a avenue, a pathway into Jerusalem, but a tricky pathway. And the only way to get a camel through that gate was to take all its load off. And when you take its load off, you slowly walk it through this tricky pathway to get the camel inside, because to lead a camel through a tricky territory is not easy. Jesus is saying it's not impossible for a rich man to navigate and fully enter the kingdom of God, but you're going to have to offload The love of money. You're going to have to offload a whole bunch of things that weigh you down and limit your ability to navigate this tricky road. It's not impossible. It's just going to be tricky. And I've had the same scenario before, but I heard a preacher preaching. He said someone came to him and said, you know, when I was young, I didn't earn much. And I loved to give. And I was partaking in the kingdom of God by giving. And it was awesome. But now I earn so much money. And it's really hard and almost impossible to give. What do I do? I've had that exact same scenario. But this pastor was a little wiser than I was. He said, well, let's pray. Bow your heads. Let's call him Jimmy. Lord, I pray for Jimmy. And I pray, Lord, that you would reduce his income to the level at which he has faith to partake in giving again. Amen. Have a good week, Jimmy. I'm not sure that's what Jimmy was looking for. But Jesus understands something. He understood that the kingdom of God is a far bigger story than just doing a Christian life on earth and ticking some boxes along the way. It's a much bigger story. It's an eternal story. It's a life-giving story that pulls me into a big story because I have an eternal Savior whose eternal love burns life into me for eternity. One last scripture that I told you we're going to get to. If you're struggling with the talk of heaven and hell, strap yourselves in. This is the Bible coming. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. 
The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, or hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they may will also come to this place of torment. They will not also come to this place of torment. It's a radical scripture. The first thing that I think is important there, those letters in my Bible on read, that's Jesus speaking. Jesus is telling the story. He's speaking to disciples and a specific other group of people that I'll tell you about now. Jesus is telling the story, and Jesus didn't waste time. He had three years on earth. He had three years to build and establish his kingdom to call people to a bigger story. He told this story. This one gets recorded. It's not the current popular version of the gospel. Secondly, and possibly the most profound thing, is we know Lazarus' name. The despised one, Lazarus. Just, But we don't know the rich man's real name. It just says the rich man. Because what really only matters is whose name goes in the Bam's book of life. It's the only thing that matters. And Jesus knew that. I think Jesus knew the rich man's name. But he was showing them something. He was saying, I need to know your name and I need to know it into eternity. Then he says to the rich man, he says, in your lifetime you've received your good things. You've enjoyed them. And we live in a world where people receive their good things and they enjoy them. But this is a different time now. This is heaven. This is after the glimpse of life on earth. You've made choices. You made a choice to make yourself king. It's a challenge. It says now because of that choice, there's a great chasm that cannot be crossed. Again, not popular preaching these days. There's a chasm. That on the other side of death cannot be crossed. And I had a beautiful lady whose sister it was that I did her funeral for this week. And she came to me and said, could we go to the funeral parlor and pray for the body just so that God will receive her? I said, ma'am, we don't have to go pray for anyone. Lisa loved the Lord and the Lord loved Lisa. Lisa placed her trust in the Lord and she never wavered on that. And because of that trust and faith, she is with Jesus. Now you don't need to ask him again. You don't need to nag him. She's with him. There is no more cancer. There's no more pain. There's no more brokenness. She is with him now. You don't have to worry about Lisa. Lastly, there's this delusion that we got it. And I look at this guy, this rich ruler. He sends twice, send Lazarus. He says to Abraham, send Lazarus. Like Lazarus is still the guy lying outside his door. He's in the delusion that he's still some kind of man of status or society, and yet he's in hell. And he's saying, send Lazarus to come serve me. Send Lazarus to bring some water. 
Delusion is a powerful thing. Self-justification is a gift that every man has been given. They used it in the garden. You can have everything. Oh, but, but why, don't I, why don't I have that? You can have everything, but surely I should have that. Why? Because we all want to be like God. That's the brokenness in our story. But then where I want to end in this story is who is Jesus telling this to? Yes, he's talking to disciples, but he's talking to a crowd. And if you just jump up from that verse of Scripture, you just jumped up a few verses to verse chapter 13. He again says what was said in Matthew. He says, no one can serve two masters. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. But then we understand who he's speaking to. He says, verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this. They were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people highly value highly is detestable in God's sight. The Pharisees, the religious of the day. Lovers of money. Church, we have to understand God wants our hearts. He wants our adoration. He won't share our affections with any especially not the good things he gives, like the ability to earn money, like the ability to build families, the ability to have children. Don't make children your idol. I know this crowd is mainly younger. Don't let kids become your idols. They are gifts. Go to the giver. Give him thanks. See, this series is about the condition of your soul in the light of eternity? What's your eternal perspective? What's your frame? If, if you want Jesus to secure your money and every Christian prays all the time, God, give me grace, give me favor, rather have him secure your eternity and trust him with the details. Trust him with the journey. Pray, our Father who art in heaven, I trust you. I trust you. Why? Because life on this earth is just a little piece of tape on the end of a very big story. And though we'll feel lots of pain in that life, I've stood at too many deathbeds. I've been in too many ICUs. I've done too many funerals already. And I'll probably do a whole lot more. But a man who did thousands of funerals walked the desert with thousands of people dying around him. He wrote one psalm. And in that psalm, he said, number your days are right. Because those days in the light of eternity are nothing. Can we get an eternal perspective? In money, yes, but in everything. Can we stand? This um, series is going to be good. Because we're going to read a lot of scripture. We see what Jesus says. We need teachers. I know we think we don't, but we need teachers. I need a teacher, and this word... It's a teacher. It's the Spirit of God. He teaches me through His Bible. We need to be able to teach the world what it looks like to put our trust in Jesus. And the world are watching. They watch how we spend our time, our energy, our resources. They're watching. Maybe you've struggled in this story tonight because you grew up in a fire and brimstone story. You're like, yes, preach about hell. I haven't heard a good one on hell in ages. Maybe on the other side, like, I, gee, I don't know. I didn't know if I really thought about it like that. I don't, no, well, doesn't matter how you think. Will you get a biblical perspective? Will you allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to show you what eternity looks like? Because no one made it up other than Jesus. And Jesus says, this life on this earth has implications into eternity. Make good decisions. Make a decision to worship Jesus.
place your trust in Jesus and put things, good things like money and other things to the side and let them serve the Jesus agenda in your life. Why? Because there's a bigger story called eternity. Can we close our eyes just for a second? I can't leave this place without giving every single person opportunity to place their trust in Jesus and believe in Him. You don't have to jump through a hoop. Today you can be with Him in paradise. Today you can have eternal life. Don't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow sometimes doesn't come. I'm 41 years old and I've already lost too many friends and I'm going, God, this is sore. He says, you'll be with Him. Be faithful. But today make a decision to believe. If there's anyone here tonight says, actually, I'd love you to pray with me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've made the decision. I'm not sure I've done church maybe even, but I don't know if my salvation, my eternal story is in Jesus today. Then make a decision today to place it in Him. Is there anyone I can pray for with tonight? Saying, I need to make that decision. I want to worship Jesus. I want to have that eternal salvation tonight. Is anyone here? His eyes are bowed. Amazing. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit is here. Eternal life today. Salvation today. Freedom today. Joy today. Life today. Wash clean of your sins today. Not tomorrow. Today. Today death to life. Today, never the same again. Today, the Spirit of God seals you with a promise today. Can we celebrate? That's God. And just... And as we leave this place, I realize I've spoken longer tonight. If we leave this place, go read the Bible. We'll put these notes up and we'll make them available and we'll but unless you go and find Jesus in the scriptures for yourself, I promise you won't come alive. I promise you it will remain principle. Don't find Jesus in his word. The spirit of God is there.